0: Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is Kangaroo Court. Kangaroo Court Pilots Trial, Mark 15, 1-15. And for those maybe younger who don't know what a kangaroo court is, a kangaroo court is when you go into the court and the trial and the verdict is already decided. It's really a farce. It's, 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 it's not justice. And I remember when I was a youth pastor, I was a youth pastor for 10 years, and I remember we used to go on retreats and we often would hold a kangaroo court. And Brad, do you remember the kangaroo courts? You, Diane, do you remember that? Yeah, we used to do the kangaroo courts. Brad and Diane actually helped us with these. Uh, they were yeah. <laughs> you didn't help me with them. We used to we used to put the we um, we I'd have all my youth leaders be the 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 jury, and we'd stack the jury, and, and then we would call the kids up one at a time for a fun time, and, and we would accuse them of something, and the, and I'd say, what's the verdict? And they all say, guilty, 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 and, and we'd bring the kids up and give them their punishment. One, like if a kid was a hot dog, we accused him of being a hot dog, showing off. So we'd bring him up, we'd put hot dog buns on his ear, and, tape them and then we'd pour ketchup and mustard and everything on their head, you know. And I remember the, the Iron Man, somebody, well, the guy who thought he was the strongest, toughest guy, we'd accuse him of being Iron Man, so he had to do the Rocky treatment. We'd put a whole bunch of eggs in a, uh, ten eggs in a cup and then we'd shake them up and say, now you gotta drink him and he'd get all pumped up. We'd pull out his shirt and pour him down his shirt, you know, that kind of stuff. So, we did all these crazy things and had a lot of fun with that. Uh, but that was the kangaroo court. And they had no chance. The kids had no chance. We were going to do something to them because they were convicted. And this is really what we're seeing here with Jesus. Not something funny, but, but a kangaroo court. It's, it's, a, it's a sham. It's not justice. Jesus is on trial, and he's not guilty, but the decision has already been made. It's already decided. And I want to look at the four different strategies used by the, this crooked prosecution here and the results, because they're really the same attacks that are used today against Christianity, and against Christ, especially in our country. We're only going to cover the first two, and we will also see that it's really Pilate who's on trial. He's really the guy on trial, and each one of us really is facing a decision, just like Pilate was. What are we going to do with the truth? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for bringing us all together this morning. We thank you for the worship. We thank you for this communion service where we prepare to reconnect with you in a very special way. We pray for your mercy and grace now that your spirit would work and speak through your word. And move us forward spiritually. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's pick it up with Mark 15. Mark 15, and this is what we're, on. we're almost done with the book of Mark. I promise you, this year we're going to get through it. Remember? I promise you that. Mark 15, starting with verse 1. Very early in the morning, the chief priests, with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin reached a decision. They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. The chief priest accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, Aren't you going to answer? See how they, see how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply and Pilate was amazed. Now it was the custom at the feast to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate, knowing it was out of envy that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to them. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with one who is you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed over to be crucified. Now I want to we're in Mark, but I want to jump over to John chapter 18 today and really focus on that. As you know, John Mark was writing to the Romans and it was boom, boom, boom. He just the facts, only the facts, but John and, and the different gospel writers were writing to different audiences. And the Holy Spirit led them to include different details. And when you take all the different details together, you get a full picture of what happened to Jesus on this day. In fact, we're going to even see Mark when he talks about the crucifixion. Boom, doesn't really describe much. Why? He's writing to people in Rome. People in Rome knew very well what the crucifixion was like. They saw him all the time. So. So we're gonna, I want to jump over to John 18, starting with verse 28, because he goes into more detail on this trial itself. And in John chapter 18, verse 28, I'm going to read this. Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the place of the Roman governor. By now it was very early in the morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. This happened so that the crowd, I'm sorry, this happened so that the words Jesus had spoken, indicating the kind of death he was going to die, would be fulfilled. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? It was your people and your chief priest who handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews, but now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You are right in saying, I am a king. In fact, for this reason... I was born. And for this reason, I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. What is truth, Pilate asked. With this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now, Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. So, I want to use John to get at all the different details we already read in Mark. We'll start with verse 28 again, a couple of verses here. Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was very early in the morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace, so they, they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So they take him to see Pilate. Uh, let me read, read verse 29. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? Pilate, very well known from the history books, if you've ever read history, also Latin inscription. If you've been in Israel, if you've been to Caesarea, one of the, the Roman theater there in Caesarea has a Latin inscription with his name on it. What we know about Pilate is not positive. He was not a nice man. Not a nice man. Philo, the historian, accused him of, Pilate, of endless cruelties. He executes without even a form of trial. He was corrupt and violent. He was, Philo, I've got the book, it's amazing what he wrote about Pilate. Uh, he, He was known for killing Jews. He butchered Jews. He was involved in several massacres of Jewish people. He didn't like the Jews. He hated the Jews. In fact, in Luke 13, 1, it says... Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Not a nice man. Some troublemakers, he mixed the blood with the sacrifice blood. Uh, Not, not, not a nice man. Uh, It's interesting that he tries hard not to to not kill Jesus because he liked killing Jews. It's interesting that he didn't want to kill Jesus at first. He must have seen something different in Jesus. And so we go to verse 28 and 29 again. And we see that they got there early, probably around 6 a.m. So Pilate was probably extra cranky. Just like we are when we get woke up for something we didn't want to get woke up for. And notice that they go inside and outside. He comes outside and he talks to the religious leaders. Goes back inside and talks to Jesus. Comes outside, goes back inside. We're going to see this the rest of the trial. And the reason is um, the Jews wouldn't come inside. And when you, you see the term there, the Jews, it's a term that John was using for the religious leaders. He's not using this in an anti Semitic sense. He's not talking about the Jewish people. How do we know that? John was a Jew. Jesus was a Jew. The, the apostles were all Jewish, every one of them. So there, there was that was not meant as a put down in any way. John's talking about. The religious leaders. That's the term that he was using that people would recognize to his audience. That these were the religious leaders. And it's a very important distinction. Because the Jews did not kill Jesus. The Jewish leaders and the Gentile leaders combined to kill Jesus. We all killed Jesus, didn't we? It was our sin that killed Jesus. And a lot of anti-Semitism torn out of there. But obviously anybody who's a true Christian wouldn't be anti-Semitic. We've already talked about that many, many times. Um, The religious leaders didn't come inside, the the Jews, the religious leaders didn't come inside because they wanted to be clean for the Passover. We're right here at the Passover. Jesus is sacrificing the Passover, as we're going to see. And because of that, they couldn't enter a Gentile dwelling. What verse is that from in the Old Testament? Anybody know? I hope you don't know because it's not there. All right? there, is no, there, is no, there is no verse. And that's because it's not in the law. The Old Testament law, it was a rabbinical addition. <laughs> An interpretation that they added kind of piled on top. But it's not in God's word. It's not in God's word. And it was very hypocritical. Anyway, for them to be following this so closely, because they were okay with murdering an innocent man. They're still going to be able to take the Passover. They murder an innocent man, but not break a man-made law. Isn't that crazy? It's okay to kill a guy, break God's law, but it's not a, I can still take the Passover, but I can't break the rabbis' additional religious law that they made up. Crazy, isn't it? Total hypocrisy. But they had completely lost touch. The religious leaders had completely lost touch with God and faith in God. And they just had developed their own religion, a man-made religion. And that's why they rejected Jesus Christ, God's son, for that very, very reason. But they were also fulfilling prophecy, as we saw it mentioned here, because Jesus and this is the prophecy that they were fulfilling Jesus did go inside. What happened to him? He became unclean. Jesus became unclean so that we could become clean. He became sin for us so that we could have our sins washed away. And not only that, he entered into the unclean Gentile home. Palace there, right? He entered into the unclean Gentiles, so that we, as Gentiles, and I know it's not a lot of people here are Jewish who have put their faith in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, but I'm not, and most of us here are not Jewish, and uh, we are Gentiles. But you already had the, the connection with God. But the reason we, as Gentiles, are able to share your Passover. And enter into the ultimate Passover is because Jesus entered into an unclean Gentile place. He made the way for us in. And now we, just Jesus, the ultimate Passover lamb, who was sacrificed, who offered himself to be sacrificed. Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the ultimate Passover lamb. That All those Passover celebrations, we're looking forward to Jesus Christ. And now we, as Gentiles, can enter in with our Jewish brothers and sisters with the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, and we can be washed of our sins. We can be saved. We're going to be celebrating communion today. That's what communion is all about, the body and blood of Jesus Christ that made the way for us to be washed clean, that took our punishment, that took our sin, just as they would put their hands on the lamb's head and and cut its throat and let the blood be shed. That's what happened to Jesus. Our sins on him. And if we will put our faith in him, our trust in him, we'll talk about that some more. That's what communion is a reminder of, that we can be washed clean and have a relationship with God. That's what Jesus did by entering into Pilate's hall. So Pilate comes out and asks these holy men, (laughs) these holy men for the charges. Why did you wake me up? And... We see strategy number one. We're going to look at four strategies, two today. Strategy number one is in verse 30 of John 18. In verse 30, we see strategy number one, where they say, If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Hmm. That's called, I call this first strategy the kangaroo court strategy. He's guilty. He's guilty. Uh... This is an attempted lynching, right? This is what this is. They knew that they couldn't convict him in a real court, so they tried to fast-track it. They try to lynch him. There's no evidence, but they're hoping that this killer pilot would just take their word for it and react. Sick him, pilot! He's always happy to kill people, so they bring someone some fresh meat for pilot to kill. Uh, and, and they say, we're the Holy Sanhedrin. We wouldn't bring this guy to you. We wouldn't bother you unless he was really bad. Now, Pilate's a politician, and you have to get up pretty early in the morning to put one by Pilate, even earlier than 6 a.m., and he sees right through it, and so he says in verse 31, Pilate said, Take him yourself and judge him by your own law. Judge him for yourself. He, he's mocking them. He, he doesn't like these guys. He's mocking them. He says, No Roman charge, no Roman law. And when he says that, it exposes their real intent. Look at verse 32. But we, verse 31, I, oh, I'll read it again. Pilate said, take him yourself and judge him by your own law, but we have no right to execute anyone. The Jews objected. Verse 32. This happened so that the words Jesus had spoken indicating the kind of death he was going to die would be fulfilled. So he exposes their real intent. Oops. We're not looking for a trial, just a quick execution. Pilate's usually happy to kill somebody. You know, so they, they figured this. Now, Rome didn't allow anybody to execute someone in the Roman Empire, which was the whole known world at that time, unless it was them doing it. They killed plenty of people, but it had to be Roman authority killing people. They, nobody in any conquered territory was allowed to put anybody to death. Why? What would they do? They would take Roman collaborators and execute them. That's what they would do. Anybody who was pro-Rome, the the country that was in subjection, would kill those people off. So Rome knew that. So they set this up that only they could kill people. And they did kill a lot of people. So they couldn't execute Jesus legally, but why didn't they just stone him? Like they did with Stephen, right? They stoned Stephen. They stoned Paul several times. Uh, Why didn't they just stone him? They got away with that. Why didn't they just do it? What did it say in verse 32? Because... His death was fulfilling Jesus' own prediction. He said, I'm going to be lifted up. I'm going to die on the cross. Predicted it over and over. We saw that all throughout Mark. And the Old Testament prophecies have fulfilled the prophecies. If you read Psalm 22, if you read Isaiah 53, the Messiah is not going to be stoned. He's going to be crucified. Very detailed description of the crucifixion long before there was such a thing as a cross. Prophesied, Because Jesus was not a stoning victim. He was a sacrifice lifted up before the world for us. So this strategy didn't work, so they try a new one. They try a political accusation. Strategy number two. And to get at this strategy, I want to just jump over to Luke 23 real quick. One verse. In Luke 23, verse 2, all part of the same narrative, where he says... And they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes te- payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Christ a king. What are they saying? He's a terrorist. He's a terrorist. He's trying to take over the country. He's trying to throw off the yoke of Rome, which is exactly what they want to do. Now, Pilate's not stupid, he knows they don't care about Rome. But he has to be careful about rebellions. and In fact, that's what finally took him down later on in his life. He has to be very, very careful. So back to John eighteen thirty-three to 36. Look how he responds here. He says, verse 33, Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. He says to Pilate, don't worry. You have nothing to fear politically. My kingdom is from another place for now. Jesus' kingdom was the kingdom of heaven. It was a spiritual, not a political kingdom. He will completely rule the world someday, won't he? We've all we've studied Revelation. we spent some time in there. But for now, it's a spiritual revolution. And Pilate is relieved. Whew, okay. I don't have to worry about you. And he's also very curious. So in verse 37, listen to what he says. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying I'm a king. In fact, for this reason I was born and for this reason I came to the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Listens to me. What is truth, Pilate asked. With this he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for charges against him. So Jesus tells Pilate the truth. He says, I'm a king. And I have the truth. And this is important. And all on the side of truth, all on God's side, listen to me. And here we have a truth test. A truth test. Does someone listen to Jesus Christ? Do they believe in Jesus Christ? Do they follow Jesus Christ? Now, it's not just saying they believe, but do they actually follow Jesus Christ? Do what they teach and what they do and what they propose and support? Does it follow Jesus Christ? Anyone who doesn't do that doesn't know the truth, does not have the truth. I don't care if it's a religious person. I don't care if it's a politician. I don't care if it's your teacher or your professor. I don't care if it's a philosopher or a scientist. If, it, if they don't know and follow and what they say doesn't support the word of God and the words what Jesus have taught us, if it doesn't, they don't Have the truth we'll come back to that later but remember that anything you hear that goes against God's word in any way is not true it's a lie Jesus says it's a lie they don't have the truth and Pilate says what is truth what did he just show and he doesn't have the truth. He just showed what side he's on. He's in despair. Pilate's in despair. He had seen it all. He had heard it all. He had tried it all. He had smoked it all. He had he'd done it all. But he was empty. He was empty. He had the world's riches. He had the world's education. He had the world's power. He had the world's pleasures at his fingertips. If you know anything about the Romans, you know what I'm talking about. He, he had it all. He was in charge of the world. But he was empty empty. He was in despair. And that's uh, another reminder. Ecclesiastes all over again. Another reminder to us, if we pursue meaning in any other way apart from Jesus Christ, that's where we end up. Life is meaningless. It's empty. And Pilate never did go to the truth. Although we're going to talk about his wife next week when we hit the second part. Apparently, she became a Christian, but he never did. In fact, at the end of his life, he ended his life. He committed suicide. Tradition tells us he committed suicide. That's how he ended his life. Truth is staring Pilate in the face, right in front of him. Jesus is the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's staring truth in the face, but he's blind to it. But he did recognize something. He recognized that Jesus was innocent. He did recognize that. Verse 38, look what he said again. What is truth, Pilate asked. With this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. He's innocent, not guilty, not guilty. He makes the, and this is very important when he makes this declaration that he's not guilty, very, very important, because he officially, legally declared Jesus innocent. In the law's eyes, Jesus was innocent. Innocent. And that's important because we now know that when he suffered and when he died, it wasn't for his breaking the law, it was for our breaking the law, God's law. It was our sin, our guilt. We broke God's law. Jesus was officially, legally declared innocent. He died for us. Johnny Cochran. Some of you remember Johnny Cochran, the OJ trials. He was one of OJ's attorneys. And I remember way back, they asked him, they said, what historical figure, he did such a nice job with that trial, said, what historical figure would you like to have defended? What person in history would you wish you could have defended? And Johnny Cochran said, I would have liked to defend Jesus. He said, because I would have relished, I'll read to you this quote, I would have relished the opportunity to defend someone who was completely innocent of all charges and a victim of religious persecution. However, because of his mission here, he would have undoubtedly, undoubtedly He would have probably declined. So, (laughs) that's what, that's what he would have done. He would have declined because of his mission. He's not guilty. Not guilty. Now, this is usually in court where you do what? Not guilty, you let the guy go. Right? That's what normally happens at this point. But the politician pilot tries to mollify the religious leaders because although he hates them and he loved to cut off their heads and he ended up cutting off a lot of their heads, he, he also has to deal with these guys. They're always a, a pain in, a pain in his butt. So he tries to mollify these guys and he's trying to think, how can I get out of this mess? How can I please this power block, but still do the right thing? It's a very tricky situation. How do I please these guys? But still do the right thing. So he tries to escape in two different ways. First, he tries to send Jesus to Herod. In Luke 23, we're not going to go there today, but he sends him off to Herod and says, Let Herod deal with him. That, and then he's off off my conscience. But Herod sends him right back, makes fun of him, sends him right back. Hot potato Jesus, right? Nobody wants to deal with this guy. Hot potato. That didn't work, so he tries an end around run he tries to run around the end on the religious leaders and he appeals to the people this is the whole Barabbas thing is appealing to the people he tries a release program look at verses 39 and 40 but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover do you want me to release the king of the Jews they shouted back no not him give us Barabbas now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion He tries a release program. He tries the Passover had an amnesty tradition. An amnesty tradition of letting somebody go that was really bad. And he figures that if he uses this system and the people pick Jesus, he figured for sure they're going to pick Jesus, that way the religious leaders couldn't blame him for releasing Jesus. The people have spoken, right? So that's what he figured he could try to do. Uh, And he makes it a slam dunk. He makes it a really easy decision, Jesus or this terrorist who had just murdered people. He figures this is going to be really, really easy, but he miscalculates. He miscalculates because these religious leaders had stacked the deck. Now, if this had been the same crowd that happened at Palm Sunday, it would have been easy. Because that would have worked because they were spiritual pilgrims all streaming into Jerusalem for the Passover. And many were from Galilee. That crowd was a huge number of from Galilee that knew Jesus, was pro-Jesus. But this mob that they pulled together early in the morning didn't, wasn't that crowd. They were all still sleeping. These were supporters of these corrupt leaders. These were their cronies that the, the, they had pulled in and had worked into a riot mentality. Hmm. Worked into this right mentality, and they were all their followers, the religious leaders. They were all non-religious. They were all non-religious as far as following God. They were man-made religious people, and they weren't people of faith. And so, these are the people they brought them. They 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 stacked the deck, as we're going to see why they picked Barabbas. But it's also a picture that the world hates Jesus. These are worldly people. And the world hates the truth. It's a picture. The world hates the truth. The world hates Jesus Christ and the truth of Jesus Christ. They will pick anything rather than submit to Jesus Christ. That's a picture for us. And they picked Barabbas. And it's interesting that they picked Barabbas. There are several interesting aspects of this choice. They picked Barabbas who was convicted of doing what they were accusing Jesus of doing. He had already been convicted of insurrection and rebellion. And that's what they're convicting Jesus of, right? Also, the Passover custom was all about mercy and grace. Someone who had done something really bad, who was guilty, that could go free. Somebody who could go free. It's all about mercy and grace. And that's what Passover is all about, right? The Jews were freed from Egypt. They were set free, and the lamb, the blood of the lamb was a reminder of that freedom. The blood on the doors that, that, that they were, they were escaped judgment by putting the doors, blood on the top and the sides of the door, cross, right? And they had that, that picture. That's what the Passover was all about. Jesus, the ultimate Passover lamb, was sacrificed to set us free. If we will, Put the blood on the doors. We will put our trust in the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus Christ came. He's the ultimate Passover. That every Passover celebration was looking forward to Jesus. That he would be sacrificed in our place. And just as they trusted God to get them out of Egypt. We put our faith in Jesus to set us free from sin. To set us free from judgment. To set us free from bondage to Satan. And to set us free. That's the picture here. And also, really interesting, as we get ready for communion here, Barabbas means Bar, son. Abba, father. It means son of the father. Barabbas, son of the father. Jesus Christ, the son of God, the son of the father, died so that Barabbas, a son of the father, could go free. You catch that? He's a type, a picture of every one of us. It's no accident. He's a picture of us. Jesus Christ, the only son of God, the son of the father, Died so that each one of us could become sons of God and go free. And that's what communion is all about. Have you ever been set free? Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ, our Passover lamb? Have you been set free of sin? of judgment, of Satan's power in your life through Jesus Christ? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If we put our faith in Jesus Christ, God's Son, We can become a child of God and go free. We can have life now and forever through His Son, Jesus. Have you ever taken that step of faith? I hope that if you haven't, you do it today. During this communion service. And if you've already taken that step, as Christians, are we living in the truth of Jesus Christ? Are we living in the truth? He says... "I." I'm the truth. I have the truth. We've heard over and over again. Are we living in the truth? The world is constantly, and this breaks my heart. I gotta tell you, it's brutal as a, as a pastor. And in my own life, but even see my kids in church, I, I'm constantly, God, please help, help our church not to become like the world. We're under, the world is constantly trying to conform us into its mold. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. So conform means to be squeezed into a mold, into a, the lump that the, the world wants us, but, but we're not to be that. We're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And that happens as we're in God's Word and we submit to God's Word and, and we, 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 Live out God's word. And we don't just buy what the world is trying to spoon feed us, you know. You know, they're trying to shove down our throat and, and brainwash us. It's propaganda from the media to the, 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 the religious leaders that aren't in the word to politicians now. And, and, and just they're trying hard to squeeze our minds, right, uh, the next few months here. And the, just constant pressure. That your teachers in school that aren't Christians, I know we have some great Christian teachers here, and your professors, they're trying to, they're, they're trying to brainwash us. But we have to take everything that we hear, what we, we see it on the news or media or on our computer or our phone, uh, anything that we hear in school or in college, anything that we listen to music-wise, be careful, anything that we watch, anything that someone tells us, everything has to go through the word of God. And anything that we believe or anything that we think or anything we hear, we have to take it through Jesus Christ and say, what does Jesus say about this? And he speaks to everything, in our anything going on in our culture, anything going on in your life, he speaks to every single thing. But will we, and this is vital, will we submit to Jesus? Will we believe what he says? Will we take the truth? Because every time we don't take the truth, we veer off. We veer off and we're susceptible and we... Hurt ourselves spiritually, and it's important that we take everything to Jesus Christ. That's where in Second Corinthians ten five. and this is a vital verse. It says, for the, uh, verse 5, down here, um, verse 5, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive, now here it is, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ Jesus. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Whatever thought we have, whatever we're hearing, whatever we're thinking, and it's constantly anti-Christ, right? Think about what we hear constantly. Squeezing us into the mold, anti-Christ. We have to say, is this, I'm taking this and making it obedient to Jesus Christ. And anything that is anti-Christ, I reject it. I won't listen to it. I won't buy it. I'm not going to drink the Kool-Aid. I'm not going to smoke that. We make, take every thought captive make it obedient to Christ Jesus. And this is what communion is all about, is refocusing. Refocusing. Reconnecting with God. Taking everything in our life before Jesus Christ and saying, what, what in my life doesn't match up with, with you, Jesus? What's hurting my communion with you? And communion here is Passover fulfilled. Anything that we talk about communion is just the Passover fulfilled. Just like the Passover remembrance, we are remembering what Jesus did for us. How he set us free. And we, as we take the, the grape juice and we take the bread, which represents the blood of Jesus Christ and the body of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who was sacrificed, as we take that, remembering how Jesus died for us. He gave his body in our place on that cross. He gave his blood to wash us clean and give us a brand new life. That's what we're remembering. And how we take it here, we, uh, there's no right or wrong way to take communion. We just we let people come up and, and we have some worship play, music playing. You come up, you take it, you go back to your seat. You can take it by yourself, with your family, with a, a spiritual friend, whoever. However, there's no right or wrong way to take it. But when you're ready, you take it. There's only two reasons why you shouldn't take the Lord's Supper. One is if you haven't put your faith in Jesus yet. Because you have to be able to recognize the body of Christ. That means you've put your faith in Jesus. If you've never taken that step of faith, wait. Don't take it. It's okay. We don't take attendance. We're not videotaping. It's between you and God. But even better, put your faith in Jesus now. Put your faith in Jesus this morning. And come forward and take communion. The second reason why we shouldn't take it is if there's something in our life we will not surrender to Jesus. There's a sin in our life. There's something that he's calling us to do, and we won't surrender. Don't take it. Very serious. Discipline from Christ. But I want to encourage you to surrender. To confess that sin that you haven't wanted to let go. Or to surrender something in our life or in our, our World, world view or whatever it is, whatever the Holy Spirit has been speaking to us, anything in God's word that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, surrender it today and come and take communion. Because it's, the whole idea is to clear the way for us to connect with God. That's what it's a picture of. I hope everybody does and can take communion. It's okay. You're not ready. You want to wrestle with stuff. That's okay. But, but I, hope, I hope my prayer is that each one of us would put our faith in Christ and surrender to Christ whatever we need to surrender so that we can be in daily communion with him. Let's pray. Father, what are you calling us to do this morning? What do we need to confess? What do we need to surrender? Who do we need to forgive or make something right with so that we can commune with you I know you were convicting me this morning when I was praying, I will walking and praying. I know there's stuff that you were convicting me of even this morning. What do we need to confess and ask for forgiveness for so that we can really be in close intimacy with you? While we're praying about that, I want to say maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus. You've never been able to truly commune with God as your Father because you've never put your faith in His Son, the Passover Lamb. You've never had your sin washed away so that you could come into God's presence. You've never become a child of God through the Son of God. But today could be that day. People have been becoming Christians every week. People accepting Christ and giving their life to Jesus. And it could be your day today. The day that you become a child of God. And can come to God as your father anytime. For any reason. But it starts with a prayer of faith right where you're sitting. It doesn't take a religious ritual. that You don't need to have a religious person help you. It's between you and God. You can pray the prayer of faith. God, please forgive me. I repent. I turn away from my old life, the sin in my life. I ask you to forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in your son, Jesus. I know he died on the cross for me. He was the lamb who died in my place. His body, his blood. I put my faith, my trust in Jesus Christ. I'm surrendering my life to you, God. I give you my life. I'm going to follow you. Forgiveness, faith, and following. If you have prayed that prayer of faith this morning, something amazing, powerful, radical has happened to you. your life will never be the same because you now have life. Life now, and it's going to extend throughout all of eternity. You can now commune with God as your Father any time, any second. And I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you came with a family member or a friend. Let me know on the way out. Fill out the card in the bulletin. Send a text. Send me a text. Send me an email. Let somebody know so that we can encourage you in your new faith. Father, I pray that your spirit would move in a powerful way through this communion time. And anyone who has put their faith in you for the first time today, that they would just sense your Holy Spirit's power and their new life in Christ through this communion. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.